Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. freelance writer, player of games, writer of words, recorder of videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday, it is Thursday, right? Thursday edition of my bio-looky behind-the-scenes, no players allowed, live series crafting Icewind Down, which I build right and prepare for our next session of Rime of the Frost Maiden. If you are playing characters of Alraven, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, this is not the right stream for you, but for the rest of you, welcome. Uh, there will be Many spoilers. We stream our sessions live on YouTube every Friday evening. Watch all of our D&D sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson. I enjoy our official Discord server. Invite link into the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson for our campaign. We use roll20.net for streaming. I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Hello to Jordan Nate, Jerry Stan. See that Paizo is releasing one of their Pathfinder adventures in 5e. I did not see that. Which one? More excited for that than anything Watsir CR are putting out. You know, I honestly don't think. Wait, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't looked at a whole lot of uh, Paizo slash Pathfinder stuff, but I don't think I've seen one that I didn't thought was at least pretty cool. So I would. I don't know if I would agree with that comparison, just because I don't have a depth of uh, knowledge base with Pathfinder like I do with. D&D 5e, but I have definitely liked the stuff that they've put out a lot. So that'd be pretty exciting if they already did 5th edition. <laughs> They're just embracing it. Hell yeah. They don't do the conversion. Uh, but I'll have to look it up. So, as we looked at uh, last Monday, I am actually currently crafting an entirely new area, completely homebrewed. Uh, the map is from Seafoot Games. Uh, they have an awesome Patreon. And I am uh, essentially using this map as a the, the place where Valish Gaunt was excavating Shardalan, unbeknownst to everybody but a very small inner circle of villains and dwarf laborers. Uh, that's really what he was doing in Icewind Dale. I wasn't trying to like take over and be a two-bit villain in, in uh, Bryn Shander. That's what he ended up doing as a front to basically get money to fund this. But this was actually what he was after. And he never got... He got caught for the 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 two-bit villainy. He didn't get caught for this stuff, which is um, much more serious. Ended up having bigger ramifications. Uh, so uh, the party has learned this location uh, in one of our last sessions that we had, which is a excavation slash arcane laboratory deep in the Dwarven Valley. So that is what I'm working on creating. And what's funny is really the only... I still have to figure out what details I want the 
party to learn. But what the most important thing is going to happen here, story-wise, is that they will essentially activate Ness Lantimir as a villain. They will meet her. She has been essentially, a, she's an important character in my campaign. Um, she was a partner of Valish Gaunt, and when he was captured, she managed to evade capture. She went to uh, back to the Arcane Brotherhood, stole this artifact known as the Divination Orb, or the Professor Orb in the campaign, and I need to work out the details, but she attaches it to whatever they're working on here. Or maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe the plan was you need to get this powerful magic artifact, um, and then we can use that to channel... Uh, to try to find out more, basically. They 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 located the fact that, okay, there's a mother load somewhere, but we need some more information about where it is and how to get to it and what all's there. So we need to get this artifact. But then before they were able to complete their plans, he was arrested. Um, she went ahead and completed the plan. She went back, got the orb, and returned here and was able to attach it. And that is what created the big uh, explosion, which destroyed a good chunk of this orb destroyed her body and turned her into kind of an incorporeal, I guess, undead, technically, um, apparition, something capable. It's it's some kind of, I, I'm still working on that, but some kind of cross between a ghost and an alip and, and a deathlock, some combination of creatures that I wanted to be able to possess people for sure, and that's her whole thing. She doesn't have a, a body of her own anymore. Um, and then it it did successfully light up and basically reveal the location of Ethrin. And the fact that there's this giant city. So that kind of information I do want to give the players. But the caveat being they still don't know how to, um, you know, get into the glacier. So I need to figure out the order of events I want to do that. But anyway, so the what will mainly happen here. And, and of course, Aurel um, then learned about this. Uh, she felt this disturbance in the force, essentially. And she uh, called down the wrath of the security system that she has as her divine powers. And shut everything down into permanite. And she's freaking out and trying to find out what's going on now. The tricky thing is I've got some forces of the Frostmaiden here outside. So I figure, okay, does she know? How much does she know? And when did she know it? Um, you know, how omnipotent is my goddess? Does she instantly know the location of this area? In which case she would have ransacked it already. So I'm thinking that maybe she didn't know the exact spot where... Um, where the wizards were able to pinpoint the location of Etherin. So maybe she sent her agents out scouring the area, which is a lot of the talking animals near Ten Towns, and then maybe more monsters like here going into these ruins and depths and things. You know, maybe she could sense that there was more Shardalin here and something, and maybe they're still trying to get in. You know, it's I'm saying it's been about six months or so, so we're going to say that there are some agents here. Um, maybe they've gotten about halfway in, I need to figure out how to work the details of that. I'm thinking maybe they haven't made it too far inside. Um, and we need to learn about if we've got security systems that are still in place. I don't think, or, you know, what happened when the explosion went off? Did, it, did Were there any dwarves up behind that got transformed? All of that stuff is things that we need to work on and plan. Um, I have thrown some more uh, tokens on the map. Try to make it a little bit more interesting. Um, so I've got some gears. I've got some... Uh, chains and the glowing rock so this is actually just a big chunk of of shardland like a large ass like person because before you know you're, you're picking up like you know handfuls is the kind of stuff that edmund's been working with this this thing is like the size of a person basically if a person was curled up probably even bigger than that and based on that um valish gaunt correctly surmised that well if we had some kind of 
divination spell or artifact, maybe I could determine. Um, in fact, maybe maybe that's what happened. Maybe he was able to cast a fairly you know decent level divination spell and was able to learn. I'm almost thinking like Magneto style in the first X Men movie, where he has to like amplify his own power somehow, given the um, you know whatever's in this laboratory. And that will allow him, and that allowed the uh, channel it into this Ori, which then gave him a location for where this mother load of Shardalin is, basically where it was coming from, because he was really, you know, want, not wanting to be a two bit like a lot of the, you know, Shardalin cult and everything in terms of um, they're just happy with what they got. He's like, where is this shit coming from? Like, I need to know, like, where do we get more of this stuff? And then maybe he determined, kind of like Magneto did in that movie, like, I need to have something else be able to power this. Um, or else it will kill me. And in this case, instead of finding a, uh, turning a senator into a, a mutant, or no, it was, sorry, it wasn't, that was the plot. It, that was just a side thing he did. He actually used a rogue who absorbed his abilities. Um, in this case, it is going back and getting that divination orb, but he was just arrested before he could do that, and then S. Lantimer did that. Okay, I think that story works pretty well. So I need some, so I'm thinking, you can see, you can see I've got like uh, chains here, First of all, I think this is a cool look, too. If you see uh, a bunch of a complicated device and then see chains going into a further room, you're like, oh, shit, what's going on in that room? So that's kind of what I was hoping to do uh, here in this middle room. And then in this big laboratory, this will be the actual laboratory room. Maybe this is where we've got a section. You can see I've got some um, art things on the side. I've been trying to play around with different things. I'm using Gabriel Picard's um, Vile Tiles. Uh, what's it called? This one's Magical Decor, I believe, which has a lot of really cool objects. And I'm just trying to determine, like what look I'm going for. I, I definitely need to nuke these statues and replace them with something else. And then we've already got these gears here. And I thought this this is so split apart that maybe this is where literally the orb was attached and that's what cracked this entire um, area right here, just cracked it wide open. So I was thinking maybe I could use something like this, but I couldn't quite get it to fit in the gear slot well. So I'm still kind of looking for an art asset I can use for that. I, I do have some tables over here. Now, the other thing I'm thinking about is the um, the paths that the players can take through this dungeon because one of the biggest tricky design choices you have to make as a DM for a dungeon is you don't want to shuffle your players from one room to the next. In fact, I just reviewed an adventure that you can see on my channel right now uh, that went live or uploaded today um, that... that kind of made this error where it was just room to room, you know, A, B, C, D. And I like it when you're in a dungeon, you've got some multiple paths you can follow and you've got different, you know, winding things and the players really feel like they're making choices and exploring around. I like that a lot. But on the plus side or on the flip side, how do you create a narrative story if the players can go into rooms in different orders and all of that? And um, I think you know, the old Zelda games is still a really good design tool for building dungeons because the Zelda games, you know, they gated certain areas off because you had to complete other, you know, you could kind of get pretty far in some areas, but then you, or, or maybe a Metroidvania too, but then you realized, oh, I'm missing, you know, the item I need to get past this part. And what especially they did more than anything else is they would always literally just lock the boss behind a door that had a, that needed a boss key and then you had to go get that boss key from, you know, something else that required, you know, the tool used in the dungeon. So even though you could explore around quite a bit, you wouldn't ever, for example, just stumble into the boss too soon. And a lot of uh, dungeons that I've looked at 
over the years now when I do reviews, they go too far in that direction where they, they make it so open, which is great, but then you, you realize, oh wait, you can literally walk into the boss room like two rooms from the entrance and then the whole rest of the dungeon becomes kind of anticlimactic because you've already you know solved the big quest of the dungeon. So it, it admittedly, it's a very tricky uh, design process to work through for dungeons and that's why I'm appreciative of ones that manage to create their dungeons in such a way where... You feel like the players have a good amount of choice. You give them enough, you know, rope to hang themselves on when it comes to exploring different areas and, and doing things in whatever order they want. But then you have, like, maybe an overarching order of events to where, okay, you're going to do these couple rooms first and then this one. And then we make sure that you can't do the boss one until you've at least done, you know, these other things first. So, in other words, what I'm thinking I may do here... I, you know, I was originally thinking I would put some rubble uh, in this area and force them to go either on the right path or the middle path. But maybe it doesn't. So, obviously, they're going to... All right, so let's let's go in order. The first thing they're going to do, which we talked about this last time, and I like this idea, is instead of doing a random encounter on the way to this Dwarven Valley, I'm basically just going to force them into a fight when they first arrive. Um... And that will be the fact that there are agents of the Frost Maiden who have been spread out to different areas where, you know, she thinks that there would be wizards or, you know, trying to figure out what happened and, and how she can reverse it. And may, or I could even decide that maybe they already ransacked this area, but Neslantamir as a ghost is like hanging back and not, you know, hasn't been destroyed or anything. But, you know, because maybe they've gotten this far at least. I still like having the Cold Light Walker in here. Anyway. Um, so I like the idea of the players walking up to this, you know, they, they find it, they make a, probably a survival check, um, just to locate the entrance. And then they get down here, they see it's got a bunch of windows blown out and, uh, you know, some doors crumbling and it looks like it could be something they were looking for. It just looks like it's clearly been, um, damaged. I don't want to give the feel of ruins because this place is only supposed to be like, you know, a year or so old that was carved, well, maybe it could be older, I guess he didn't probably carve it out of there, he just used it as a, his own area, so maybe it was already a mining place from the dwarves, and he just had been using it for the last, you know, whatever, year and a half or something, but then um, he's been arrested for six months, so it hasn't been abandoned for super, super long, um, but the explosion probably would have killed off a lot of the people that were still here, so I'm looking to populate some undead in here as well, but I like the idea of the players walking in, and then I immediately ambush them with this fight with a bunch of snow golems and ice methods, um, specifically as agents of the Frost Maiden who are looking for uh, the wizard and maybe even do a creepy bluey-eyed thing either at the beginning of the fight or the end of the fight or something to let them know that, hey, this is, you know, these are the Frost Maiden's forces and they are looking for stuff. I think that could go over pretty well. Um, in terms of balance, the players will be fully rested when they end up here. Um, so I don't have any problem throwing, what is it, six snow golems. And I think I've got three ice methods. I can kind of play around with the reinforcements. But I think having the ambush is a big, you know, balance uh, putting in my favor. Because obviously that gets me a free. Um, if I can, I don't know. It just says that you don't get to see these guys. They're not really good at, like, stealth or anything. But I still feel like... You know, just mounds of snow. Like, the players have never been attacked by these things either, so they wouldn't ever know. This might be my only chance I get to do that effect, because in the future they may be more wary about stepping around. But I think I'm okay with ambushing them here with a big effect. They will have Valen with them also. Um, what I'd like to do at, uh, whenever we do come back 
um, next week is uh, probably have the Goliath return to his people and say, hey, you know, open invitation to come do the Goliath side quest, but I, I don't necessarily need to be with you guys anymore. Um, Spellix will be with them. They'll probably do Dark Duchess next, and then that way they can get rid of Spellix, which is fine. And then Valen would probably just stay back, and then whenever they decide to go do the main quest, Valen will definitely be with them here because I need to... She needs to be the one that I um, possess with Nestlantamir, ideally. I think that would go over well. So, I'm okay with the balance here for six uh, Snow Golems, which I just opened that sheet. I think they are CR3. Again, the players will be seven. These guys can hit a lot and for pretty hard, but they also go down pretty quick. So, I think it'll be a pretty fun little fight. Uh, Two ways for similar to the where Riddle keeps the party learn the path or keys need to unlock the boss room. Yeah, 214 has literally had a cool multi key boss room, where a boss door, I should say, where you had to have all those skeleton keys. And it was really, that was a really fun design. So the DM got to choose where to put all these skeleton keys. But the idea is, well, you got one on each uh, level. And I definitely designed it where, like, I don't want ever my players to have to backtrack like you would in a video game because that's just time consuming and I mean nobody likes backtracking anyway really unless I guess a few Metroidvanias can make it fun because like oh I've got this ability now I can go back and do the thing but that's not gonna really work in D&D and make that fun uh so it was always something it was always a cool reward that they got it's like okay you accomplished the big thing of this level so you got the key and now you can uh make it past the boss door party get anything from any of the NPCs render foes public notes in the margin or something that can act like Indiana Jones notebook for the holy grail like I'd help them um that's a fun idea. Uh, not especially. Um, you know, what I could do is is use that idea for the Codicil of White, which is something they're going to get from um, uh, the Grim Scala. I could turn that into the Indiana Jones pamphlet thing where they, you know, a penitent man, a penitent man, that whole thing. I think that could be pretty fun. In other words, it gave maybe, maybe it's clues to get through the Caves of Hunger. Maybe it's maybe the Codicil of White is really her like journal that reveal Arl the Frostmaiden's journal that reveals how she was ascended from Ethrin, and uh, maybe it's her getting out of there and and talking about the things that had happened. I don't know if I want to reveal. I, I was planning on waiting until Ethrin to actually reveal that as a twist. So, but that's kind of a cool idea. Maybe at least it would be like how to get through the caves of hunger, and then they wouldn't know why she has this information. Then later on, you would realize and you would learn in Ether and like, oh, it's because Arles actually was part of this Netheral city. But mainly from here, I could get. I mean, they're they're going to learn the location of Etherin, but they won't be able to act on it because what they'll learn is okay, Etherin. Is low, there, there is a Netheral city. They won't know the name of either. There is a Netheral, what looks like an entire city made of Chardolin buried in the ice at this location, but it is completely within this like glacier. And they'll find notes from Baelish Gaunt saying, you know, there's something in the glacier. And, and Gaunt didn't know at the time what was in there. He just knew there was something big in there. He's like, we need some way to get into uh, the glacier. And that's like part of, you know, his whiteboard basically. <laughs> it's like step one, get to the glacier. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Um, so they'll learn some details about that. And then, uh, really what I'm hoping to do on the quest chain is have Neslantamir possess, uh, uh, Valin and have her disappear. And now that she's got a body, she's going to go try to break Valish, uh, Gaunt out of prison. So the next step on their quest chain would be then go to Revel's End. And then maybe from there, they can learn how to get to the Island of Solstice and then Grimscala because that's all the main quest chain. 
What I would like to somehow do is hint at the player. I guess they could do things out of order um, as much as they want. They just did, they wouldn't, it would suck if they just immediately basically go here and then Rebels in and then, you know, do all that stuff and then leave all the other kind of side stuff that I've got that's designed to level them up before going to Rebels in. So hopefully by putting Rebels in pretty far out there, they'll go do some of the other things first. Codicil is under a different name. Yeah. A little journal from the before time. I still need to fill out these beginning rooms. So we're going to have this fight here. I do like the idea of having a cold light walker, which the players have never faced before. And I think is a really cool creature from Rhyme of the Frostbane. Probably one of the coolest new creatures uh, from this campaign book, which is a really creepy undead, um, like walking corpse with this cloak and this just light, which is from the famous uh, The Thing poster with just this fucking, like, beacon of light coming out of it. So you see it coming, but its fucking power level is it's got, like, an average of 80 hit points, and it's got two cold rays it can just shoot out with. Now, it only has a plus three to hit, which is a bummer, but if it hits, holy shit, it hurts like a fucking bitch. And as a bonus action, it can force uh, any creature it can see to succeed on a con-saving throw be blinded until the start of its next turn. That's all good shit. Um, so really powerful ranged attacks. And it gives off light. So what's creepy is while the players are in this fight, I thought it would be awesome to see, like, oh, look, there's light coming from inside. And then I'll even even be able to tease and physically move this token around and say, yeah, you see, um, you know, something walking around in there like it's carrying a torch or something. Now, the question is if they shout at it to, like, help them or something, how do I respond to that? You know, how, wouldn't, how intelligent are these things? I think they are classified as undead, aren't they? Yeah. Legend of eight. Okay. So you could even have the cold walker, you know, they're like saying, help, help. And you could have it just come around the corner and just blast out its fucking like Cyclops lasers. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Like, oh shit, this thing's not helping us at all. Because I figure the Frostbaden, because there's enough blown out areas here where they have would have been able to penetrate at least probably this lower half. Um of the dungeon area, because all of this is basically open to the elements. The whole bottom part of the main actual excavation dig site room, um, what I've got labeled as R2, R5, and R6, and I guess this one down here, R7, and R10 here, this is all open as well. All of these areas are open to the elements, so all of these would be very cold, very frost. Uh, I could put, in fact, I should probably throw more snow on here. And uh, I could put more Frostbane forces in these areas, but I'm also hitting them very hard at a fight in the beginning. So um, I don't know how much more fight I want to put on this map. Ooh, I could tint. How do you tint the light? Have, let's see, I have token emits light. Oh shit, light color. Oh, that's cool. You can make it like. What kind of color does it say it? Let's see if it says in the description. I mean, it'd still be white, right? It still looks like a white color. Let's see. Oh, it's a personify. Winter, create cold light walkers, bottom of winter's wrath. And I think the cold light walkers are literally agents of the Frost Maiden at that point, and they just like serve at her whim. 
the frostbitten corpses emit a spectral light so intense that mortal eyes can barely stand to look at them. Spectral light. Tense spectral light. What does that look like? I don't know if I have a good light colors. No, white is... Well, let's see. White is actually different than what that looks like. Okay, it's almost like a gray. Got a better from here. That's so weird the way it shows up. Like, oh, wait, is that how it? Oh, maybe that's the dark vision looking. Okay. Creepy effect, right? It's like a fog, almost. I mean, if you think I need to, I can add more cold light walkers. It's got a ton of hit points. And if it's... The thing is, if it's back there just shooting people without anybody being able to get to it, that's going to be fucking painful as shit. Like, right now, the party's nowhere near going to be able to get back to this thing. And I'm going to give it cover and all kinds of stuff. Uh, what I could do is have the Mephits start further back, like they were up here, maybe. Here. Over here. I still like having the party just surrounded by these things. But I could separate some of them out. Try the blue. Uh, like the icy blue. Oh shit, that really looks. Huh. Yeah. That looks pretty creepy. Wonder why it's not spilling out through the windows. That'd be let's see, maybe it has to be there. Woo. That looks cool. That looks pretty damn cool. Okay, that looks very... <laughs> the bad thing is I'm tipping my hand too much. They're like, wait a minute, I don't like this evil glowing blue thing. So you can see the shadows with the light that it's emitting. <laughs> so from here it would look like that. Ooh, that's creepy. That's creepy. And I've got it set to uh, like it's about a torch light, I believe. It's 20 bright and 20 dim. Yeah, the only bummer is um, they only have a plus... Three, I think, to hit on that cold ray. And they actually do, which means it's better for them to do their melee attack, but, I mean, the fact that they've got a 60-foot range on this cold ray, it made me evilly happy. Yep. I would probably not have it do its blinding light at that distance. I don't know. We'll see. I also kind of like the idea of them just facing this thing, um, you know, one of them by itself and having it be pretty painful and then maybe later on you can use a couple of them together and the player and the party's like oh shit we know how strong one of these guys is um so in terms of these other rooms you know you don't have to fill out every room certainly there's definitely you need to have what's what's the rule you're supposed to like one third empty room one third monster room one third like some interactivity like a puzzle or a trap or or a uh equivalent of an audio log you know where you learn more information uh 
So we've got already, this is considered a combat encounter. Um, the Cold Light Walker will probably be at most likely added to this fight as well. I'm okay with all most of this being uh, mainly empty rooms. You could have maybe R4 have some minor treasure in there, which I haven't looked at treasure at all. I'm, I'm going to have to come up with some treasure ideas uh, to have in here. I do uh, lumpy like, oh, and then R7. I have no idea what this is going to be. I need to replace these are giant statues in here in a destruction area. I don't know what would be down here exactly, so I'll need to figure that out. Um, so the middle room is where they excavated the Shardolin. They found this big ass chunk and then they attached it to, you know, the device that Valish Gaunt was using. So that's all these gears. The actual controls for this thing are over here in room number eight. In fact, I'm going to add this on the map layer. Um, I am probably just going to have the, con it's disappointing, but I'm, I don't, working the controls isn't going to do anything. I don't think from here, cause this is the actual, like, maybe, you know, raising and lowering of the thing. So maybe they would see like this, I don't know, is it the pedestal that moves or is it, because something had to have moved. Maybe the entire pedestal is on a gear system and that wasn't like an elevator they used to get, no, but if I do that, the player's gonna wanna go down there and explore. <laughs> um, hmm. I guess it was to, you know what I could do to make this more interesting? is make this a pit in the middle instead of a platform. So it's like suspending the Shardolin up in the air. And that would make it a lot trickier to get across. Because I don't want to necessarily stop them from going into the lab after this middle room, but I want to make it trickier. Whereas if you hop across, got the jumping rules again, aren't I? You're looking at a 15 foot jump. Somebody help me with the jump rules. The one thing I have to look up the most consistently out of every single rule. Long jump. Your turn. Give me a long jump, please. You cover up to a number of feet up to your strength score if you move at least 10 foot, which they can. Okay, so that means you'd have to have at least a 15 foot strength score to get across. That is no joke. In fact, that probably limits you to basically just fray. Celeste is probably more dexterity based. Yeah, she's got a 12. Can't imagine Edmund or, or Robin have any kind of strength. Thimbleweed also has a 12. Ooh, I might have found an Achilles heel for this party. Nobody's got good strength. Well, Robin's rocking a nine. Yeah, Frey's the only one who's going to be able to jump at all. She's got an 18. Which, you know, it's a cool opportunity for the players to show off their skills. Now, technically, you can, unfortunately, jump from here to this platform for 10 feet, so that's a little easier. Actually, you could even... Well, no, I'd make you do it from here. Well, I'd make that... Difficult. I mean, you hate to have somebody die because they just missed a fucking jump, but <laughs> there has to be consequences to jumping, right? That's the weird thing. Mechanism now spins freely because the chain is broken. Yeah. And yes, Nate, that is exactly what I plan on doing. Um, having this thing shuffling across, basically every round. I might even roll initiative for it and have it move on its initiative because the players see this light and just have this light go like that. Like, what the fuck was that? And only if they basically say something like, hey, we need some help here or something, 
um, then it will like go and then just like you know on its turn fire fucking laser blasts, <laughs> which I think would be fantastic. So maybe it start here. A strength is a definite weakness here. Acrobatics, anything that involves that. That fucking bridge in Forge of Fury would have murdered this party. <laughs> Actions do have consequences, I know. Um, it's just a shame when that consequence is like straight death. <laughs> Versus like a hard-fought fight or something. You just slip and fall and plummet to your demise. You could probably rule... I mean, you you even see there's all these little platforms suspended beneath because the idea was it was like a huge you know, dig that goes down pretty deep. So maybe they just hit like one of the beams down there and take some damage instead of instantly dying is probably how I would rule that if they did fail it. No, I don't want that much Shardolin. I don't think they're going to be able to get this Shardolin, although I'm realizing they will probably try, won't they? Um, this is a giant piece of Shardolin, um, which, oh, one thing I was thinking of as an effect of the magical explosion that happened, um, due to plugging in that divination orb to the device that Velashkant was using and then locating this. And basically what I'm what I'm thinking is when they located Etherin, they got like some kind of magical feedback loop from the Mythalar, maybe they even like activated a little bit. And that's what freaked out Oral, but that's also what caused this feedback to like go through and destroy like huge chunks of this entire um, facility. And I'm thinking maybe that has some kind of lingering arcane... Um, effect on spells because if you recall one fun thing that chris did in the war for the lost plane campaign was there was an entire dungeon where anytime we cast a spell some crazy thing could happen so i'm thinking i could maybe borrow do that here and say every time somebody casts a spell probably a first level or higher um it's wild magic time right you got to roll on that wild magic table that's a little bit more work for me as a dm because it adds um you know having to do all the wild magic stuff i think it's is it just called wild magic magic click on the table somehow it was the yeah it's a, a sorcerer thing why is that from you can pull it up on roll 20 or not anyway um, oh, there it is, subclasses, Wild Magic. There we go, it's this thing. The Wild Magic Surge, that's what it's called. Okay. So yeah, you could rule that every time somebody casts a spell, which is a lot, um, you have to roll on the Wild Magic table, which is pretty fucking crazy. Now, unfortunately, that means they could cast Fireball on themselves and eliminate all of my Snow Golems. But the first time is they won't know that that's what's happening. Now, would you rule that, okay, first of all, do you like that idea? And second of all, would you add a qualifier to that and say like, okay, you, you get to roll a save first or a spell check to try and work around the magic? Or would you just say, hey, anytime you cast a spell, this is going to fucking happen. You just don't know what's going to happen and neither do I. Um, but that does add another interesting complication to everything. Now, this is not the most spellcastery party. So compared to other parties, that would be a huge penalty. But honestly, the most, like, damage-wise, it's all martial, right? It's Frey, it's uh, Celeste, it's Thimbleweed. Like, spell, it really, unfortunately, would just mainly penalize Valravin. Sometimes good things happen from Wild Magic Surge. Um, and to an extent, Edmund as well. But just kind of an idea I had is add that little Wild Magic table in there. But yeah, some are good. You grow, you grow a beard of feathers. You gain hit points. 
Um, you become invisible, you gain resistance. It's, I don't know what the ratio is, but you cast mirror image. Like there's definitely some good stuff on there. One of them is unfortunate, you gain, regain all expended sorcery points. Um, that doesn't work if you're not a sorcerer. Just change that to like, you gain inspiration. Just a thought. Give them loot from dead party or unsuccessful adventurers. Um, the easiest loot, yeah, I guess I gave them more shardlings. That's what they were excavating here. But, um, you know, they were digging around in the Dwarven Valley. So any kind of treasures they found, it's almost that um, Gaunt was specifically looking for, you know, a big enough hunk of shardlin to use this, to use this power on. Um, so maybe any kind of artifacts or treasures he might have kept, but wouldn't necessarily have, um, I don't know, been, that wasn't like the goal. So you could find, you know, I could pick a room and say, okay, this is where they put a lot of their treasures in there. Um, the other thing is I want to talk about is uh, Lumpy. I think it was you that mentioned this um, idea of the phase spiders, which I thought was cool. So basically maybe there were some giant spiders um, that had moved into the area because there was a little bit of a gap between when, Gaunt was arrested, and then when um, Ness Lantumir was able to come in, and during that time, this place was not a ruin, but it was um, leaderless. So maybe the dwarves were, and unfortunately, that means the dwarves would have cleared out some of the treasures. Maybe it was guarded then. Maybe they had a security system that dwarves couldn't get through. Um, anyway, I like the idea of there being spiders here, and then when the magical explosion happened, they turned into phase spiders, so they can do that whole cool, like, you know, phasing in and out and, like, kind of rippling um, in different, um, you know, through the ethereal plane. So that was a nifty, glifty idea. So uh, I'm probably going to make this up here, like, the uh, break room. Probably with some just like rest rooms up here not literally rest rooms but rooms you would rest in <laughs> and like some eating area and have that be just kind of you know what was destroyed here and there just happened to be spiders like maybe living underneath uh and they were transformed into face spiders so now they're hanging out and obviously you can very much tell that's what here is with all the webbing um i would probably have some loot in this room because this would just be a completely optional room for the players to deal with although it was kind of on the way north so, and I was going to use, I would, I should probably use more for the level of the players, but honestly, spiders are unfortunately so fucking big that it gets a little crowded to use too many of them. So I've only got three here right now. I guess you could always add more, um, or even add swarms. Swarms are a pain in the butt. So that's one idea for that room. So I was thinking if I want to leave, here's what I need to figure out. Where is the orb? And is the orb is probably what triggers Nest the, the the big event that is that takes place here is Nest Lantimere reforms, possesses Valen, says her villain spiel, and sets off a cool like enemy villain cutscene and then disappears. So that needs to happen towards the end of the dungeon, ideally, which is probably this room right here, the main laboratory, I think, is where that's gonna happen, which means somehow I need the players to be able to recover this orb. Um, and maybe, I'm already thinking of some ideas. Okay, at least there's no snakes. <laughs> yeah, the wife won't kill me. Colonel infused gives him protection from Edmund's Pokeballs. Yeah, you know, to an extent, yes, but also I have fucked him up a lot by having a lot of things have protection against the, those 
recently and you know at some point you want your players to be able to do the things that you gave them so i mean really going into the ethereal jaunt is going to save them anyway so it's you know i want him to be able to use that against creatures more often here's another idea i had i've got this cool part of the map that literally looks like creatures have tunneled in and broken into this map so i thought let's do just that let's say um you know again this place has been it was crawling with dwarves for a while but then this magical explosion happened about six months ago so things have happened since then so what if during that time a bunch of creatures and i was looking up some kind of sentient humanoid underdark dwelling creatures what you know they would be drawn to uh this area of you know magical malaise everywhere and curious things happening what kind of creatures would be there and what could I use as kind of almost a faction that the party could battle or could role play with or all kinds of different options. And originally I was going to go with troglodytes, but I looked up their information. They're really more bestial than I was wanting. And then I decided, oh, wait, we've got um, deep gnomes, which work perfectly well for what I was looking for. They even look, their little thing looks like they're fucking miners. Um, and they're all about, you know, being gnomes, but underdark and kind of evil. Actually, they're labeled as neutral good. Are they neutral? Okay. Maybe there'll be more, I guess it's just Dwerger that are the evil ones then. They're not the best stat block, but that's fine. Um, however, I thought, well, how do they dig through here? And it mentions in their description that they work with creatures of the earth quite a bit. So I thought, all right, well, Zorns are pretty cool. They, you know, have a burrow speed and they literally eat rocks. So uh, they're very kind of alien looking with three arms and three legs, a big gaping mouth at the top. They just grab rocks and precious gems and minerals and eat them. So I thought, all right, well, they've got this like pet slash ally Zorn, which is actually really powerful stats, and use that to tunnel through. And they're just looking to, you know, keep him fed and also maybe pilfer this area. Yes, I don't want to pronounce that. Zvef, Zvef. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to try. Um, I'm going to roll for hit points for them now. There we go. Uh, obviously, stat block-wise, they're really shitty, but the Zorn is the only thing that would make much of a difference. So here's a question. They are not evil. Okay, thank you, Stan. I, I mean, they could be evil in my campaign, but... Um, they are... So yeah, my point is, I wasn't necessarily trying to make them some evil people that came here, but they are definitely... Would probably have looted some of the dungeon. And maybe they're in the midst of doing that. And... Here's a good question for you all. Have they actually found the divination orb? In which case, maybe Nesslantamir has possessed one of them, which adds a whole nother huge complication to this dungeon. So maybe she actually, as again, this stat block that I'm still working out is this powerful kind of deathlock, ghost-possessing, um, powerful ghost wizard. Because I figure maybe it's almost like a lich where she's got this uh, phylactery or reliquary, whatever word you want to use, that's tied to this orb now. That's kind of her, she's, you know, it reminds me of the genie from Aladdin. Like she's phenomenal cosmic power, but itty bitty living space. And she's actually um, literally possessed into the orb, which means maybe in the future, the players can defeat everybody and they can, you know, take this orb for themselves. And then they've got Ness Lantimere who just fucking hates them instead of the Professor Scant as the personality. That could actually work pretty well. Zverf rhymes with nerf. Neblin. Zverf Neblin. Zverf Neblin. Thank you. That's That works. <laughs> These are deeply disturbed deep gnomes. That's true. They could be... So, basically, I need to determine the timeline here. How long ago have they been here? 
how much have they been affected by stuff? How much have they been able to loot? Are they new arrivals? Have they been here a while and have they been affected by the Shardlin? Maybe there's even multiple, you know, maybe some of them have gone crazy and they're trying to figure out like, you know, hey, we're not sure what's going on here with the Shardlin. You know, I, I could make a whole like story thing. I don't want to detract from the main story too much, the whole Neslantamir and the backstory they're going to learn. So I'm leery about uh, making it too complicated because it really is just a kind of a random wild card that I've come up with. But um, I do like the idea of introducing this faction. I just kind of threw a bunch of tokens on here. I don't know which ones I actually want to use. So that's my idea there. Maybe they're a rival group of adventurers on a heist or something. Yeah, they could be uh, here. I mean, that's kind of, they're looking for treasure, basically, just like adventurers would be. Um, the question is, how much treasure have they found? How far have they gotten in this dungeon? It would make sense that they have, they saw the webs and were like, nah. <laughs> Especially because I, I want the webs to look very creepy, like almost like a computer glitching, you know, with like the, because like the webs themselves look like they're going in and out of the ethereal plane. I thought that would be pretty cool. Um, so maybe they haven't actually, maybe they, that's even why that's a tunnel here. They opened this area up. In fact, you could even have a, a dead, that'd be a good way of foreshadowing these guys if they come up here and see a dead, uh, Svef, God, I forgot it, Zverf Neblin. <laughs> Brain does not want to do that. So I could even have like a dead body, which is always good. No, like right in the middle or something, right here. Could work. That would kind of tease the fact, like, wait a minute, there's something else here. Especially if you use it like this, where it's an actual token and not a skeleton that really tells the player. Although it probably would be it. Again, that's the timing thing. How long has it been? There's literally like a body here. You know what? I'm not going to put this on the map. I'm going to put a cocoon. Do we have a cocoon? Because then the players can actually identified if they want to. That's giving them too much information. Give them that much information. Can I look up a cocoon and we can use that as a cool tease. And this is partly again why I'm thinking about I want to shut off the left side of the dungeon because even though that does, I made that big speech about, you know, not making the dungeon too linear, but I really want them to go through the spider thing or have to jump across and make it, you know, here, which I do plan on having this uh, doorway here trapped. Versus this left side, there's really nothing here. And if you see the... I, I feel like it would be confusing if you saw the Ori first. Although I guess it would just tell you more about the story. But then, you know, you end up seeing this final room. But if I have this this Verf Neblin, if they're the ones that found the orb first, then that does force you to deal with them before triggering the Neslantamir thing. But then one of them, you know, if she's possessing one of them, then as soon as she sees the players in Valen, she would want to get in their body, so that just kind of complicates things. Smurf Neblin, the blue singing and most likely asexual. I don't know, there was a there was one female Smurf, so they were like, they were like bees. And spider asset pack, perfect. Like the xenomorphs. These are creepy looking cocoons. Yeah, that one works. Well, it's not on a floor. Or it could be on the floor. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. Bring a cocoon on here. I'll probably make that smaller because these are deep gnomes. 
There we go. Actual cocoon on there. I will make a note and say that there's a, they've actually cocooned uh, one of the deep gnomes. And if the party were to actually investigate, did spiders spill out? That's nah, always so gross. Uh, then they can find the body. <laughs> you just said that. That's funny. You just said the spider. <laughs> right when I said that, I saw your message. The spiders creep. Out, uh, spiders spill out of the cocoon. I feel like it's almost too obvious. Which you you could include a swarm of spiders in this uh, grouping, but then they would be like a swarm of phase spiders. I think because they would all be affected by that. That's a thing I could do. Um, I'll probably go ahead and put rubble and close off these other uh, sections deeper in just to make it easier on me. I don't need the party exploring off camera. That's a pretty easy fix, I feel like. Close that one off. And might as well just close this one off too. Not go further than this dungeon. rubble um so if i closed off this left side to rubble then it forces them only to they can only take two paths to get north they would either have to go through the spiders or they would have to jump across and get to the middle so what do we decide on this middle room it could be alive in there Ooh. That would be creepy as shit. I've begin to eat you. <laughs> Good lord. That would help uh, endear themselves to our deep gnome friends, wouldn't they? I need to put... I was going to put a security... Because, alright... He's got a bunch of dwarves working for him. They're the ones that are actually working the mine, but he doesn't want them to get back into his lab. This obviously being a, a recent break-in from the Deep Gnomes. So I'm thinking there was a security room here in this little 2 by 3 room, and then there's got to be some kind of penalty for going through here, and I'm, I'm planning on having warnings outside that are like written in dwarvish that say, you know, uh, VIP only, basically. <laughs> Palish Gaunt only. Um, well, there's this left entrance, too. Doesn't have... Maybe this was also sealed, or maybe this part was... This looks like it was actually once a legit hallway, not just broken through. But again, that's kind of when I, when I don't, I don't want to have this left room open. I want this to be almost the final thing they see. Because when they get to the Ori... It'll probably still be showing the last thing it showed, which is the location of Etherin. That'll be a big part of it. So if we... So I'm liking that idea more and more. What if we... Just closed off this area. Said, you can't go here. This area is just... Fucking ruins. It's been collapsed. This looks like it was once a path, but it is no longer a path. Yeah, Glyphs of Warding is probably... And he's a fucking wizard. Like, he would absolutely do all that shit. Um, 
Unfortunately, I don't want this to be a door. We might just put a tiny bit of rubble. Here, just a tasteful amount of rubble. All we need. Actually, we could use a giant. Use bigger pieces of rubble. What the fuck? They're not going to see. Yeah, you could have it look like that. In fact, I'll probably spill this rubble shit everywhere. I'll look a little bit better. Because the main epicenter would have been like here, which is just cracked apart and open. And then... I mean, all these areas are mostly destroyed. Pulse floor, watch your weight. What kind of glyph? I could definitely use glyphs. I think this is a great opportunity for like a lightning blast. Um, in fact, you could even use... Ooh, there was some good art. Where was that? I had it open. That vile tiles, magic decor. Yeah, this one had some really cool looking magic pillars. Might kind of block some of the art, but look at that. That all looks like lightning blast coming to fuck you up. In fact, that's literally <laughs> it's like storm right there. Where I got a lot of this cool art. I was originally going to use this one to show, like, okay, here's where the orb went. But actually, it was something that he was channeling first. I picture him, like, physically standing, like, in the middle of something, which would have been, like, here. So I, I that's why I had all these different kind of tower things. I was, I was trying to use these pillars and these statues, but I needed to block them with other art. An ice gate. Need a hell gate. <laughs> They look cool. Gold one. Looks very cool. Ooh. There we go. Ooh, there we go. Spike trap. I don't know. Would a, would a wizard use spike traps? Seems so bandit-like. This is actually too big. I use it up here. Ah, that looks kind of cool up here. Could block. The, does that look too weird when it's stretched a little bit? Looks fucking Stargate. I actually might like that idea. And just the entire area was blown away. Yeah, that's pretty cool looking. A little bit more. Here's. Still have to cover the statues, fortunately. So there's no, okay. There's no floor. It's an illusory floor. Illusory. But there's just spikes underneath. But that, 
It just means you got a bunch of like creatures falling into your spikes. <laughs> Who wants to clean that out? I feel like you would just use spells. You just use glyphs of warding. Like that's like what uh talking about. You could just cast a glyph somewhere and then it does its fucking spell. Glyph is invisible, requires a successful investigation check to find. You decide what triggers the glyph when you cast the spell. You could make it all kinds of like some kind of password way of getting past or something that it wouldn't know. Glyph erupts with magical energy in a 20-foot radius sphere. Deck save or take 5d8 of some kind of damage. Or you could just include a spell of third level or lower. Or really just any spell. Oh yeah, teleportation. Might as well throw some poison on them. <laughs> Boy, you gotta love spells which are a fucking novel. Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? Talk about like a devil's contract worth of fine print here. Further refine the trigger so the spell activates only under certain circumstances or according to physical characteristics such as height or weight, creature kind, or alignment. So maybe Valish Gaunt's was a bit of a racist asshole because he was using dwarven laborers to excavate. He said, hey, if any fucking... He could just say, any non-humans come through here. In which case, it would be really fun. You could pull the thing off where, like, Edmund could walk through just fine. <laughs> and as soon as one of the others walks through, it goes off. It clips on the yeah, app on the ceiling. I mean, they're invisible, so it, you know. Unless players are literally going room to room and going, I'm going to examine this room before I walk in. I'm going to investigate this room before I walk in. Uh, what's the best spell to put here? Because I like having a glyph. Of warding. So it could either be just a generic explosion, gif, glyph of uh, this one, which is dexterity saving throw, which takes 5d8 acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage. On a failed saver, half as much damage on a successful one, or you could store a spell of third level or lower, which I think Fireball already does more damage. If you got access to that, you might as well use it. Half of Celeste could get through. <laughs> that is true. I think there were some glyph-looking things down here, weren't there? Yeah, here we go. That looks like a fucking glyph. I ever saw one. Jesus. Bigger than what I need. Yeah, put it right there and put it on the GM layer. Below. Just have to damage HP already. Yeah. Because I don't want to stop the players. Uh, it'll be locked for sure. Locked and trapped. But you want to give them the opportunity to go in there if they want to. 
Um, you know what would be crazy if, you know what I did this with the other one that was in um, Caradineval is I just had it, if they failed, also they were blown backwards like a thunder wave. Which, look at what happens if you're blown backwards. <laughs> it gets real fucking tricky right here, doesn't it? If you step here and you're blown back 15 feet, uh, you're in fucking trouble. You're literally getting blown backwards into this thing. So you could just use Thunder Wave, amp up the damage, and just have it knock people backwards out of the room. Which is probably the most efficient deterrent, just knock people away physically. Shrinking them. That's fucking funny. Yeah, putting players in a permanent... You know, I did a similar thing in uh, near the end of Tomb, where I turned uh, Manix into a pig. And that that can be an, it can be very detrimental to the player, but if the player rolls with it, it can be very fun and memorable. Also, God, that part in Prince of the Apocalypse where it turned every like half the party into oozes that was amazing. That was still one of those most funny circumstance things that happened. But <laughs> everybody was an ooze all of a sudden. And then I'll need to have a similar uh, think security checkpoint here. Also, maybe not a glyph, but something else that happens. But this one, it would be like, here's the room you actually come in. Um, I don't know if a dwarf needs to be in this room for some reason. So there was like a, well, it's not, not like a depressurization room or something silly, but some maybe kind of little security checkpoint they can pass here. But guess what? You can also just bypass that because you can go up here with thanks to the uh, deep gnomes that have carved a path. The big, thing, the big thing I need to figure out is what's the timing and situation with my Deep Gnomes and their Zorn? Can I roll your hit points? I think I did. There we go. Um, have they discovered the orb? And if they have, where is it? If, it, if it's in the gullet of the Zorn, um, that complicates things. And has Lantamir possessed the Zorn? <laughs> It'd be weird. Maybe that's what happened. That would be fucking... Maybe they're all... The, these gnomes are like in... Uh, having to obey... Like the Zorn suddenly gained intelligence. And they're all freaked out by that. <laughs> and it's like capable of casting spells and ordering them around. And it's trying to... It's probably... Uh, Ness Lantamir's goal would be to escape. So... Um, that's maybe they've tried. Maybe they failed at getting past the spiders. Uh, this area still trapped, so you can even have a dead gnome here. You know, I have to have ways for them not to be able to escape if that was what happened. Maybe there's some in here. So maybe any treasure they find will have been pilfered, at least in this north half. So as you can see, I've got different tiers to this dungeon. We've got the lower tier, which is full of the Frostbane's forces, and then probably fairly weather-worn and um, you know exposed to the elements, and there's probably not a lot of loot or things to find. I need to put at least some interesting things in these rooms for the players to not just say, oh, it's an empty room, and move on. So maybe I'll even include a, a journal or something that got stuck out here for some reason. Um, maybe like one room that was closed off that they can get some loot from. And then the goal would be to make it, they'll see that this, you know, the controls don't really work, but they can see where it was once, you know, this thing was capable of dredging up um, uh, things from the deep. Um, but they're all just kind of stuck and, you know, locked in this position. 
maybe the controls were damaged too and it's just like you know it doesn't move or anything um, this area i like shutting this off because that's just peace of mind for me so then the player's only options once they've explored all this is to go either in the spider room deal with that and then they meet the, the deep known body which could be alive maybe not i don't know we'll figure that out and deals with them or they have to deal with this trap and work their way around this middle room which may be more easier than i think it is because why wouldn't they just jump onto these side paths i guess it's still a pretty good distance to get to the middle one though isn't it you get away with it well i mean you could say well i can jump five feet there and i can jump you know 10 feet there and if you have 10 feet that's a lot of them have 10 feet strength more of them can make that jump I haven't yet put any undead around the area, though. Maybe there's undead in this room. How would you like to fight some fucking undead while you're in this very tricky uh, terrain? I think that would be interesting. I still plan on having, when Ness Lantamir um, does her big thing, maybe she can also summon some undead and cast spells and stuff when she disappears, but it would be cool to actually throw some in this room. Uh, either shadows or specters or something. Maybe specters in this one and then have her cast uh, some of the shadows later. I think that could be cool you know they're not too strong either but again it's a dungeon crawl so it's more about attrition only have the one attack but it's a nasty one and they can life drain your enemies and you can humiliate them first <laughs> and more importantly they've got 50 feet hover so they can get around this room pretty easily so what i could do is only once the players start really making their way in this area you know tease them with having um, you know, sounds and echoing of like shrieking and things. And then if they really start exploring this room in seriousness, you know, once they're all nicely divided and start hopping around, then you can throw uh, some undead on here. Maybe like four or five. I think generally equaling the number of players is probably a good thing to do. I think that could be pretty damn effective. range attacks um i don't think we need range attacks these guys can get around pretty easily they got 50 feet of flying speed and maybe you can even have it where if the party wants to retreat for some reason they, they wouldn't even follow beyond this room you could have that kind of rule if you want to hit points runs the gamut yeah i think we're gonna plan on using shadows later with uh when Lantamir, that was something we talked about for using when Ness Lantamir appears and fully um, does her big villain cutscene with the players. I was going to have her cat when she possesses Valin, ideally possesses Valin. Um, she would cast a darkness, summon a bunch of undead spirits, probably shadow, maybe shadows and specter. You could do a bunch of them. And then Dimension Door out of there and do the, the fun, like I leave as the villain and then the boss fight becomes just surviving that essentially. Probably put these guys on the GM layer. That's a lot of fights. Uh, you've got this initial one. The Cold Light Walker is probably going to be added to that one. This fight in the middle, Phase Spider fight. And maybe you fight the Gnomes and Zorn. Maybe not. Depends on the story I want to use with them. And then I do still plan on having one final battle with uh, Ness Lantamir. So there's a lot going on on here. Thankfully, we are not going to go uh, with. Rhyme of the Frostbane tomorrow. We're going to do Forge of Fury. Um, 
and we'll be talking probably we'll probably have at least one more session of this one of specifically planning this one next Monday and then maybe after that on Thursday I might have to move on to talk about something else and then whenever the players actually decide where they're going which I'll need to touch base with them next week uh, then that'll be what I end up planning on uh, Thursday and get more uh, information on that because man this has been a lot of really helpful prep stuff and I need all this time to be able to catch up so I think that will do it uh, for this Thursday edition of Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoy the content, please do check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shoutouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe Will, Tiny Dancer, Thomas, Adam, Stan, Nathan, William, I'm Loud, Al, Kyle, Scalinian, Genocider, David, Jammin, Clam, Seth, and Nebula99. Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lion, Sam, Lumpy, Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fasica, Tortoise, James, and Perry. Thank you all very much for your support. I'll see you all for uh, D&D with, uh, I believe, our final session of Forge of Fury tomorrow. Have a good one.